Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Wild Ones podcast where we talk about bike stuff. I am Francis and this is Jimmy. How are you? I'm quite tired. It's been a busy week. It has been insanely busy because we're trying to get lots of stuff done before going away on a top secret trip. Coming up soon. And then holiday as well. And then holiday. A non-secret secret holiday. My first actual holiday in many, many years. Well, is it? Yeah. You're always, you know, swinging around places. That doesn't mean it's a holiday. I'm, I'm, well... One of the reasons I've been busy this week, and I've been pestering you as well about bits and pieces, is Atticus is officially back. Wait. So we sorted our uh, manufacturing challenges that we've had. Uh, I think we're on the third supplier or something rather this year. Um, launched our bib shorts, and the pre-order on that is already closed, so if you want them, you can't get them. Uh, and we're very soon going to be launching a couple of pre-order jerseys, one of which... I'm so excited about this. ...we've been working on together... Mm -hmm. How much do you want to give away on it? Probably not very much. Not very much. It is uh, close to my heart. Your eyes light up when you talk about it. Yes, and the design <laughs> as well. I, I, the, the, we nailed the design. It's, it's really very good. good. It's very good. I, th I think a lot of people are going to like it. Yep. Before we get into cycling news this week, we wanted to acknowledge the very sad events uh, of the Tour de Suisse, where Gino Maida, young racing cyclist, uh, died after a crash in the race. His family, as a gesture, wanted the race to continue, but a huge loss for the world of pro cycling and cycling in general. So we offer our sincere condolences and sympathies. Now, on to the news. The first thing we're going to look at today is a possible controversial topic of why SRAM is beating Shimano. You think SRAM is beating Shimano? Well, apparently you think it. I don't. Yeah, I actually do, yeah. I do actually think it is. Well. Okay. In the performance market, SRAM is beating Shimano. I think the offerings are better. It's fully wireless. Everything is compatible with everything. If you ride off-road and road, all the stuff works together. Shimano doesn't do that. When you say performance, you don't mean like racing performance. You just mean like function, functionality. Enthusiast and above. Perhaps performance is the wrong word. But they are, they perform extremely well. Yeah. But the uh, the group sets that I'm talking about from, from Apex upwards are all enthusiast focused. They're all pretty expensive mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. They are all premium. That's what I think. Have you seen that SRAM have just launched a new apex yeah like, so i haven't looked at it properly i'm hoping you have some i want to question you about it because i know what the ultra apex was like they did a the sram apex one was the latest version before this and that was like a one by group set that not many people bought what's the new one how do you know not many people bought it because i've never seen it ever ever <laughs> anywhere what is it what? and rival was nearly the same price was the, it was almost not worth buying. That apex you're talking about, is that different from the apex, the mechanical apex of like five years ago? Yes, 
There was it was still mechanical, but it was a newer version, one by only. I, yeah, I didn't a, know. A, it's, called, it's called Apex One. Right. Whereas, it was always fairly close in price point to rival ETAP, which then you get wireless shifting. Like it just it's a massive upgrade, and the price point wasn't that different. So the new Apex is wireless, right? ETAP batteries, same like thing. All the other ones. Okay. Um, it's all electronic as you'd expect yeah um officially the cost is about 1200 pounds for a group set okay i think individually the parts are quite reasonably priced so say for example i actually think where this group set is phenomenal 1200 pounds is if you already have a gravel bike and you want to convert your mechanical gravel bike to an electric bike, you can buy the shifters with brakes, or the shifters with calipers even, for 260 pounds, or it's about 260 quid, a rear mech for a similar figure, and all of a sudden you've upgraded your mechanical bike to hydraulic braking, ETAP shifting. Is it a gravel thing? <clears throat> yes, XPLR. So it could, right, okay. And it can be <coughs> So, the RRP of rival ETAP Two byte is one thousand three hundred and fifty one pounds. Is is that the full group set? Like that's rotors, chain, everything. That's rotors, chain, everything. Right. So it's about, so it's not that much. It's, it's about, about the same price. It is about the same price. I don't get it. It's a very similar price. It's very similar. It's a little bit more expensive. Like if you buy the stuff. So again, you're in the same situation where it's probably not worth buying the Apex. Sram, what are you doing? Do you still want to stand by your statement? Emily's asking if we still think that SRAM is better Shimano, and I think the answer is still yes, because it all just works better, in my opinion. It doesn't work better. It does. It, it, it's, it's, it all, it's all cross-compatible, it, it functions really well, and it doesn't go wrong. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Neither of them go wrong. The Shimano shifts very slightly better, in my opinion. Not in my opinion. Well... But yeah, that performance, that enthusiast market, sorry, is dominated by SRAM at the moment. It seems to be, doesn't it? Or edged by well, SRAM. Well, perhaps, perhaps in like people that are like upgrading and changing things, I still feel like a lot of bikes off the shelf are being specced with Shimano. Mm -hmm. um, your SRAM Red. Yeah. You were riding that a lot because you took it on bikepacking trips and everything. Oh, I don't like tens of thousands of miles on that now how have you found that group set for because a lot of people think that sram doesn't work very well you've ridden that group set a lot mm -hmm. how have you found it yeah i had it as sram red mullet style the eagle uh xx1 so the top end everything uh road and mountain mix and all of it has worked flawlessly and i i have um had multiple accidents with it crashes uh, in and out of cars, bent Mac hangers, all sorts of in stuff a, that in, would in and out average of cars. it. What, like cars, trucks, what the bits of America were that's been smashing in and out of cars? No, like pretty, physically putting it. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's been squashed by stuff. The mech is. Uh, I thought I'd been pretty um, reckless with it, and then Nick saw it and was like, "No, nah, it's actually a pretty good Nick compared to <laughs> compared to Mark Ross's mech, apparently, right. <laughs> because they just smash it against trees all the time." Um, it's a quality piece of kit. It really is. The only thing I don't like about that SRAM Red is the shifters. The, the, ergonomics. the ergonomics. They are old. They feel old. They feel nowhere near as well designed as the new... I don't know how they've made the reservoir and the shifter so much smaller, but the, the design work on the new Force, the new Rival, and probably the new Apex is far superior now to the shape of the SRAM shifters. Yeah. Um, the luckily, that's all the kind of thing you can upload, uh, upgrade, upload for YouTube on the brain. That's the kind of thing you can upgrade easily just with levers and calipers, right? Yes. Assuming it all still works. Well, we actually stuff. We actually did that on your gravel bike. Is your your own personal gravel bike now has a red crank, your Eagle rear mech, but we rival shifters. But we just we. It, we didn't have a set of shifters to rebuild it, yep. so we bought yep. a set of shifters, which was like 200 and something quid. Yep. Uh, I guess that's per shift. It's about 350, 400 quid for a set of shifters, and then it just all worked. Yeah. Now, the compatibility thing is a fair 
comment because Shimano doesn't have that because of all the different speeds, which I assume they're trying to fix with Shimano Qs, C-U-E-S, mm. which will be replacing a lot of their lower end group sets. But SRAM, um, uh, even though they don't have an entry level offering, they at least it's 12 speed all the way through. Correct? The new SRAM is... The new Apex is 12 speed. Uh, yes, I believe. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So that's that's good. That's cool. You can just buy any of it and it all matches and mm. fits and the replacement parts, are, are, you know they're going to fit. I, th I think that's cool. I like it. I think horrible tech companies refer to that as an ecosystem. Mm. <laughs> Francis, mm. have you ever thought whilst riding your bike that your helmet isn't servicing your needs? You want me to say no. But the answer is yes. Go on. I have never had a helmet where I can put my sunglasses in the front. Why? And it really winds me up. You haven't had the right helmets then. Well, or, the, or the right sunglasses. Like, I don't understand. Why can everyone do that and I can't? Every single... I've got multiple helmet companies, multiple helmet... Uh, multiple brands, multiple models, different sunglasses. Never fit. There is... I, I, every time I choose a combination, that doesn't work. There definitely Look. is some that don't work. I I have found them all. If you want the list, the, I've got it. <laughs> I can write you a list. Combinations to avoid. Well, thank you. Our rise is ruining the lead of this section. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I did ruin it. Uh, so should we? Let's just we'll we'll, take, we'll let's backtrack. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, pretend I'm saying no. Friends, no. Have you ever found that your helmet doesn't service your needs? No. Especially when you're off road on the gravel paths of the northeast. No. Oh! No. It's always been fine. Well, I've got the perfect product for you. The new laser Ciro Kinetti Core helmet. Catchy. Specific for your gravel riding needs. Gravel specific. So Laser have released a new gravel specific product. Uh, laser is same company as Shimano. Is it? Yeah, owned by Shimano. Yeah. What did they buy them or is it? Yeah, that's why all the Shimano riders are sponsored by Laser as well. Like it's a. I did not know thing. that. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So it operates as a separate company, but they're owned by them. But Shimano are notorious for that as well. They do gravel-specific things. They do shoes. Well, they're specialised. Everyone does gravel shoes. But yeah. It's, um, it's got to do a gravel shoe. It's like a flexier sole version of the mountain bike shoe. Let's not get into the service of flexi sole. Flexi sole shoes, yeah. But the, uh, it, there is... Anyway, there's some products that I get. Gravel specific makes sense. For example, a bike. Beyond that, yeah. Yeah. so this new helmet, mm -hmm. the key features to it are bump proof sunglass slots that keep your shade secure on rough roads. So if that's true, then that does actually solve a problem for you. However, I have never found that an issue. A small visor that keeps the sun's glare off of your face and helps protect against from insects flying into your face. That's what the sunglasses are for. So don't put them in your helmet. Put them on your face. Could try that, yeah. You could try that. It's lightweight. Weight is never a consideration when you're, when you're riding off-road on gravel stuff because your bike's going to be heavy. You're going to be... You've probably got luggage. You've got frame bags. You're carrying loads of food. Blah, blah. Although, no, as we discussed... I mean, no, you want it to be... All helmets, lightweight is better. You don't want the situation like with the... You know, where you... When you put a GoPro on your helmet, it's not that much heavier, but it's way worse for yes. your neck, isn't it? Hurts. But when have you put a helmet on and been like, this is like anything other than a helmet? A typical helmet you put on, you go, it's a helmet. It goes on my head. Mailbox Monday. What, the, the Lumos one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're not, you're not, you're going like, oh, I can notice it. But you're not going like, this is going to like ruin my life. No, okay, yeah. Lightweight's a roadie term anyway. It's not a gravel term. Uh, utilizes controlled crumple zone, crumple zones even to absorb impacts, so it does what helmets are meant to do. Yeah, I would hope all helmets do that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't wear that. I haven't. I prefer road helmet. I haven't looked at it, but I I see zero place why that I would ever go and buy a gravel helmet, mm. and and then like put it next to my road helmet. Rather yeah. than just use the helmet I always... You know, I don't see a massive problem with people... With companies labelling stuff gravel-specific. But... Indoor-specific... Winds me up a bit. Go on. Well, I get that. When you're on the turbo... No shirt... 
obviously. Because it's just so hot. I've I've done turbo sessions outdoors in the snow and you still get too hot. <laughs> so take your shirt off. Like, just take it off. Why, why do you need a, a base layer and a special jersey for that? In addition to that, shoes. That was another one. Someone did some indoor shoes. Well, what, what, what? I can't remember which brand. What well, just breathable shoes. I guess they're maybe targeting people who do spin classes and stuff like that. Right. So they're probably super thin, not going to be very good if, you, if you're using them outdoors and scuffing them on stuff. But that's really breathable. But have you ever had a problem with feet actually feeling hot on a turbo session? I've never thought about it. No, no exactly. So if you don't think about it, it's probably not happening. I, I remember I remember Lacole did some, um, I think they did it, it was a collab with Wahoo, yeah. and they did a an indoor bib short and jersey, and I'm sure whoever paid the extortionate amounts of money for it are probably convinced that it's great. However, it's an absurd product made out of fabric that's like base layer fabric. And I think Castelli have done one as well. Right, so the idea is it's thinner, so it keeps you cool. Uh, yeah. But not cooler. Than nothing. Than taking it on. Yes. Or having a fan, which you probably already own. But don't take your bib shorts off. Well, why not? Well, I mean... If you're that hot. Oh, that's where the product would come in. Uh, so I mean, Jimmy were on... Do you know what I'm going to say? No, I, don't. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the internet looking for weird products. <laughs> and I sent you a link to it. It was a saddle with a chamois on, oh, the, sa- on yeah. the saddle. Mm. But maybe that is perfect if you want to do naked turbo. Or it, it bo- would help. Bottomless turbo session. It would help. Or just like a more padded saddle. That's essentially what that is. What, double chamois? Well, no, no, no. You'd be naked, but you just use a more padded saddle. Oh, yeah. But now but this looks technical and cool. I had that. It was so good, mate. It does not look technical and cool. That is not true. So good. I, th- I, think my, I think my biggest problem with this helmet is gravel in my opinion, is a marketing term yep. that actually represents people that want to do stuff on a bike that's somewhere in between a road bike and a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, you could have one bike which does all of that stuff excluding mountain biking, and it would be, a, by definition, a gravel bike, but that's because it's got endurance geometry it's a much more upright position it's got a long wheelbase it's got not, not everybody wants really relaxed geometry though for their gravel bike yeah but even if it, it, it's more relaxed than an aggressive road bike it is it is yeah, more yeah. than suitable for riding fast on a road and riding it off-road or riding it slow on road ultimately the the gravel market is actually what used to be the endurance market and the cyclocross market blended together. It's just a it's just a marketing term. Like in this country, gravel isn't gravel. It's more closer to cyclocross. I can't. I I despite it being a, a term coined by the marketeers, I like it because all bikes now have more clearance. They're they're more versatile. Yeah, yeah. They're more versatile. Yeah. They're, be, they're better. They fit people and they have tire clearance. Brilliant. We should rename it. What do you want to call it? But I think I think it was always going to end up being that because the research and the aerodynamics research is, is even in the road bike space is saying, actually, people should be riding bigger tires. So manufacturers, even on the road side, are having to build bikes with bigger clearance. So it was, it was always going towards that way. It's just perhaps sped up uh, going from like a, a, a road bike that can take 38 mils to actually a gravel bike that can take like well what what's what what can gravel take like massive that one's other was my gravel bike uh is 45 mil tires but you can put i've got like two inch tires in there you, right. know, you put a 2.1 so a lot of a lot of clearance what's that in millimeters <laughs> as soon as you go bigger than as soon as you go bigger than 50 mil it becomes a different measurement yeah. <laughs> Because uh, do we have anything to add on uh, our opinion of a gravel-specific helmet? Uh, wouldn't wouldn't buy it. <laughs> so yeah, not for me. Also, the article that I that popped up when I looked this up was on Yahoo, and the the thing they're pushing is with the massive growth of gravel racing in recent years, everything from bikes, tires, saddles, blah blah blah. But gravel racing, you're not going to use that. You've got a peak on the front. Gravel racing, you probably want an aero helmet. Yes, so it's just. So the problem with places like Wahoo is they're just regurgitating a press release. Yahoo. 
Yeah. Well, I think I said my school cup. Oh, yeah. The problem with press is they just need content. So Shimano sends them, or presumably Shimano or Laser, whoever else doing the PR. Just like their PR thing, yeah. Sends a generic press release. It'll have pictures in it, and they go, well, that's an easy bit of content. Mm. Slam that up, and it's like more or less verbatim what the press release is saying, which is, you know, what they want, what, what Laser wants to be said, whether that's accurate or not. Like if you like properly fact check that, then really it's you're gonna look at it and go like, what a stupid thing for us to be talking about. Mm. And now we're talking about it. God, saying it's stupid. It worked. (laughs) We've probably sold loads of laser gravel helmets. Uh, It's the big question of the week. Big question. It is. It's probably the biggest question in the cycling industry or the bicycle manufacturing industry right now. Are rim brakes officially dead is that because specialized well not just specialized but you know the 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 group set manufacturers as well um are the group set manufacturers doing that or are they just removing rim brakes for like super high-end group sets um name a sram group set yeah as we've discussed enthusiast only that is available for rim brakes. enthusiast only there are you can I think you can technically get like four. As a horse one, one, yeah. But like I think I got the last ever one ever. They're hard yeah. to get, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like my horse. Do you know a cam? What? Well, no. That, I guess there'll be campag group sets that still do do rim brakes. Yeah, lower. All right, I've got a, I've got a new question for you then. Okay, new question. Can you think of off the top of your head any new bikes that are rim brake? Yes. Go on. Villier made one. I can't remember the name. Do they still make it? Yes. Came out last year. And their selling point was, it's a rim road bike with rim brakes. Yeah. Can you, think, they, can you think of another one? Uh, the Scott make one? They don't anymore, do they? Well, no, the new version of the Speedster. There is a rim. So the, uh, yeah, yeah. It's the one we bought. That was, a, that was the latest model. But they don't sell that anymore. They do. You sure? Yes. And it's actually it's the current this year's model. And they have stock. We got the first ever one. Or yeah. Is it, or is yeah. it like one of those like... Well, we got one. Whether that means it's in stock for other people, I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, because I was nagging them to send me one. I think we but... can definitely agree that there is a very definite movement from manufacturers away from rim brakes. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's less and less options. Um, and it's kind of sad. I like a rim brake. Particularly on the really low end bikes like the one we bought from Walmart and the one from Halfords that we bought. So we did a series where we bought cheaper or more affordable bikes from some big retailers like Halfords, Walmart, Decathlon. Two of them at extremely low price points were disc brake. And I think we both agree, neither of them should have been because they would have been lighter, easier to maintain, easier to use, functionally better yes at I, that price point because you're using cable discs which are and, and not okay you can get premium really fancy cable discs and yeah they'll work great but they're a lot of money the ones that are installed on those bikes are not they're just not very good i do agree that those bikes would be better rim yeah however i think currently it's harder to sell a rim brake bike than it is a disc brake bike I think because the industry is transitioning to disc brakes, people are becoming more reluctant to buy a rim brake bike because it feels like at some point in the future, parts are going to become scarcer. Oh, parts are going to be, right, okay. Yeah. But... That's a question for bike shop. You can still get like six-speed cassettes and things like that. Yeah, forever. And I reckon you will forever. I would have thought so. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're like... The ba- the place where we are is the enthusiast performance space of road cycling, but the majority of bikes that are sold and bought and sold in the world are actually entry level bikes or bikes for commuting for everyday use. Yeah, for sure. Think of all of the uh, when w- rim brakes will really be dead when you start seeing all of the Halfords hybrid bikes coming with disc brakes only. So I, I I'd like to go in. I'm going to look next time we're in the yeah. some water shops. Uh, and just see I think what's on all of those bikes. I think you'll be Load surprised disc. how many of them are going to be disc brakes yeah, now. For a few. Like entry-level discs with like mechanical shifters yeah. and 
So, I, if I think of friends who, who are not into cycling, but they do ride a bike for commuting, they probably, if they were buying a new bike, I reckon they'd, you know, be like, what, a disc, that would be better. Mm. It, it is it is a funny one, because I, I would only, I, ma I imagine I would only buy disc brake bikes going forward, but I do really like rim brakes. Mm. Mm. I don't, I don't even know why. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. They, they work but well. But we're not, just... we have been doing it for a long time and mm. maybe we have an attachment to it. Whereas someone who's getting into cycling now, what if they're, you know, 17, 18, they've only ever seen disc brake bikes around. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Like, a lot of why would I get that old Yeah. That's probably what they're thinking. Or, or even if, even like they're older, but they're new, just getting into cycling, mm -hmm. you, you wouldn't know any different really, would you? Yeah. And you're probably wondering, actually probably rim brake bikes of 10 years ago, which are the sort of bikes that we like, probably to a new cyclist look like what 80s and 90s rim brake bikes look to us, like prehistoric. Old. Yeah, I love, I like Old them. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I still buy them. <laughs> I, I was actually I cycled. Uh, I know I drove past someone the other day, an old guy on a bike that was way too big for him, but it was the Pantani edition Bianchi bike. And I want that bike so bad. Because you look like Pantani. That's not why. I just, I just, for some reason, I'm not like, I don't, I don't, I'm not you massively into sport. But I think there's something about Pantani, which is like romantic. He's, for me, he's like the romantic cyclist. Yeah. Even though he was like heavily on drugs he, and unfortunately died. He was in the news recently. He's being, they are, there's something being produced about his life. Is there? Yes. A new either film or documentary mm. series thing i think i might uh i don't know if it might just be text only is it there's some sort of investigation going on they are interviewing uh legitimate members of the italian mafia oh my god about because uh, there was obviously some involvement and yeah. money being you know some shady stuff going on emily have you found it bbc podcast series podcast there's a bbc podcast being produced about pantani's life oh, wow. and they're interviewing members of the mafia there you go. So it sounds like Crazy. I should probably... You will uh, love it. Pantani's about to be cancelled, it sounds like. Well, to be uh, fair, he kind of already was cancelled. He was known for being a... Was he not ready? He, well, he was just heavily... He was just like the Lance Armstrong era of doping, wasn't it? It yeah, was yeah. Pantani or, or Armstrong. But tragic as well. The story. Oh, yeah. I, I, um, I, I, well, I'm definitely going to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I think so. I, mm. I, think so I will too. Because I, yeah. I, like, I, th I think it is quite a sad story. And he was very, like... I think he felt quite on his own and a lot, a lot of pressure, the Italian pressure. Because I think this happens with French cyclists a lot as well. There's this like, this pressure to like do well that must be like so intense. Yeah. At like the, the top level of sports, so like the French teams and the French cyclists, there's so much pressure on them to do well. Probably same for the Italian cyclists. Like the, the All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team, like the pressure for them to win must be like just like horrible to like have to deal with yeah it's sad i it, i've ridden his bike have you yep weird fact oh was it a villier yeah because like, he was sponsored by, yeah. uh, i think he had two two iterations of a villier but it was like the first ever carbon race bike that they did yeah so he has he had an alloy one one year it was in 1996 1997 and then he had a carbon version which is the version that i rode right and it was it was quite good. Mm. Like it felt like a good bike. With the cassette, however, was the just horrible like... ratios. Yeah, <laughs> mental. Yeah, just tiny. In, in fact, the uh, the Atticus factory manager, which we we've been working with her for six years or something now, mm. so our new factory is also with the same person. She used to work with Pantani back in the day because she used to. She was like one of the liaison people with whatever team he worked with. Or oh, I think I it it. What's the like? I think there was like a components company, an Italian components company, which was sponsored like all of the teams, like IT something or other. So I think she worked for them. So she, I've heard lots of stories about what he was like, direct. Nice guy. He really does look like you. Focused. 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 It's probably the, the best way to put it. Dedicated. Yeah. Nice. So our rim breaks dead. <laughs> I went way off topic. <laughs> Not yet. But they're close. It is close, isn't it? Probably close. It is probably close. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with Science and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Fuck up off the you got to harmonize me. Uh, <laughs> I thought my one last week was bad. <laughs> someone like, would write us a theme tune. No, I know there's I'm musicians that watch these. They could, someone, Mary, Mary, can you make us a uh, introduction for the whole podcast and specifically one for Fuck Up of the Week? That would be amazing. Thank you. In about two or three weeks' time, I am actually moving out of my temporary house to my real house. house. And your music studio. And my studio comes out of storage and we will legitimately write a theme tune let's do it let's do it let's do it they might even be what if there's you've heard some of my other music so if we just put it in the same spectrum of that it's going to be fantastic that'll be brilliant the one about pizza yeah um right so yeah uh fuck up of the week is (laughs) isn't that funny oh i laughed for so long because (laughs) that's such an irrational response to this isn't that funny because Jimmy got a stone worm bee on his head. If I was a bee, I would sting your head. What is wrong with you? I just would. You, your brain. I would. <laughs> it needs rest. It needs rest. So on Wednesday, I think it was, I went for a bike ride after work. Uh, I have a, a, a cycling helmet. I was going to say the manufacturer of it. Gravel stuff. It doesn't even matter. If it were perhaps that Gravel specific would protect you from bees. So, obviously, nearly every single helmet, apart from aero ones, have vents. And I was riding along a gravel path, having a lovely time. At the start of, uh, I was going to do about two, two and a half hours. And a bumblebee flew into my helmet. I very quickly, normally, if a bug, I didn't know it was a bumblebee at this point. Mm. Normally, if a bug flies into the helmet, you give it a little wobble and it'll just fly back out again. Bearing in mind, I haven't got hair in the way. Um, And... I gave it a little wobble, and what I realized very quickly is there was a very sharp pain two or three times as a result of it. So I pulled over, took my helmet off, a bumblebee fell on the floor, and my first thought was I need to get the stinger out. But I've learned a fact about this. Bumblebees don't die after they've stung you. That goes against everything I ever thought. Because of the word bee, isn't it? Well, you uh, know wasps don't wasp, you know wasps don't die after they sting you, don't you? Yeah, you can sting as many times as they want. Yeah, yeah. I thought all bees. No, I guess a normal bee. I don't know. I don't. I wasn't sure about a normal bee. I thought a bumblebee specifically lost its stinger into your skin, and then it would then fly off and it that it would then die. So after this bumblebee fell out of my helmet. Um, I, rather than to enrage, stamp on it uh, to kind of make myself feel better, I kind of gently moved it to the side. I don't know why. It's kind of a weird thing to do to a, a, bum- a bumblebee on the floor not moving. Um, and then it started wriggling. And then, like, I guess it was stunned. And then about 20 seconds later, it just flew off. And I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. So I did a bit of Googling because I thought that's a bit odd. And it turns out that bumblebees, much like wasps, can sting as much as they want. What? I have learned is that it's specifically honeybees that lose their stinger. Interesting. Is it? Isn't it? Well, they don't know, do they? The, um, no, sorry, bumblebees. They don't sting you out of malice. No, it's they, usually they only like they're very, very chill, aren't they? Yeah. They're kind of, they're nice. Yeah. Well, or is it, it literally, you know, it? it was, it was pinned in between my scalp 
and my helmet and then I was banging my helmet presumably on it thinking it was just like a little fly and it would just fly out but it decided like all right I'm going to give you a little dig first and then I'm going to leave mm. uh, but the reason this is fuck up of the week is to we, us we were then absolutely. we then sh shot in the studio on the Thursday and then we were going to go outside and film some stuff on the Friday but I was very concerned well what I wanted to be uh, careful of is to not end up with an infection putting a helmet then on top of it so we delayed it a couple of days and filmed it on the Sunday instead. So I lost a weekend day, which makes me very sad. Oh, you didn't seem that sad. We actually had a really nice day. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah, it was, the sun was out. We had today is raining. We're inside doing a podcast. Easy, you perfect. Gave, you gave me two cans of, of Coke Zero. Yeah, and and made me a, a sandwich for lunch. So yeah, can't complain really. Yeah, a fake chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. Mm, that was good. Um, I had a full face helmet on once. Mountain biking. And I was in Verbia with Sun God. And then we got to the top of one of the, like, the lifts, because you get lifts up to the top. And then someone was flying a drone, and I was looking for it. And then it wasn't a drone. It was inside my helmet. It was my zombie. That's a YouTube creator's brain, isn't it? Straight to drone. It must be a drone. Where's the drone? That was Someone's a bee inside my it. helmet. And then I couldn't get it. It was like a rental helmet, and I couldn't I figure out where the, like, strap was to get it off. But I didn't get stuck, luckily. So, so what, what happened? Why? It just kind of bouncing around. Climax. Yeah, it was just in my head, just buzzing around. Horrible. There, but there, loud, like, it sounded like a drone. There was a sci-fi film that I saw as a child, or I saw a clip of it on TV as a child, that I can still remember the scene to this day, and I do not know what the film is. So if anyone knows what film this is, please let me know. It was like some weird fake planet with an alien person that captured the human, and they, they got this, like, giant earwig, cut it open, and there was, like, hundreds of little ones and they put it inside the space helmet and then put it on his head and then went into his ears and ate his brain out. That's horrible. So that, that nearly happened to you. What kind of movies are you watching? It's time for another round of overrated, underrated. This is my favourite section now. I love this bit. Yeah, me too. It's just, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like a quiz. Mm -hmm. It's the quiz on me. The quiz is always you asking me. Is it? Or shall I ask you? Well, I, I think it's actually both of our opinions. Yeah, but, fair you enough. Know, if you want to make it about you. So we've got a bunch of stuff and we're going to say them and then say if they are underrated or overrated. And the first one today is chain wax. Overrated. I agree. Absolute junk. All it does is make your bike messy. If you were, if you lived no one in is. the UK. No one is. No one is. <laughs> if you lived in Spain, in a place that is very dry and not that dusty with lovely smooth roads and only ever do TTs seven days a week. Then I would, if I was that person, I'd work on a chain. If not, it's just not worth it, is it? Even the pro, like, definitely wax on the chain out of a pot, nah. Molten wax where you dip your chain and treat it. Who has time for that? Even if you are that per person in that perfect scenario, there's still no real need to do it. Like three watts. But they still don't need those three watts. If they're like, uh, legitimate professional athlete being paid to race bikes and the th the results they get has an impact on their future. No, but some sure. Okay, yeah, but some people just like the incremental, oh, I changed this and then I do, yeah, they do the same TT every week and they're looking for lots of little things they can do to see if it makes a difference. And then it's a PB. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but they don't need it. It's, it's it, yeah. overrated. It is, okay, uh, it's disgusting. It is overrated. It's horrible. It makes your bike dirty. It clogs everything up. It's just, it's... No, 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 I would argue no. that molten wax thing, it stays quite clean. No. But it's still annoying. It's horrible. And more effort than it's worth. Yeah. Next. Steel bikes. I love steel bikes. Me too. I own two. I Both don't. of them are custom. I love them to bits. Yeah. I will always own them for my entire life. Yep. Um, they're very well rated. Yep. And they should be. Yep. Potentially uh, underrated by some people yes, who yes. think that carbon is the only way. Mm -hmm. uh, when in actual fact, they don't need a carbon bike for the road and they're doing and probably be happier and better on a steel bike, maybe. Yeah. Uh, if I was to own a steel bike, mm -hmm. I would do custom made. And because it will last a very, very long time and you will mm -hmm. make sure it's right from the off. I would also do stainless because it's marginally more expensive, but it's, it's far better it's a long in terms of longevity. It's not, no, per tube, 
It's not that much more. To get it manufactured is more expensive. So to weld stainless is a different process to welding just normal steel. Because Pickle's bike, I have a friend called Dylan, Dill Pickle. Yeah. He, and we did a video on his custom quirk and it didn't, it was a few hundred pounds more for Rob to do him a stainless steel bike. And that was a really good usage of the stainless steel because even if you, uh, living here, it would still last a long time. It stops it from rusting on the inside, even if it's painted. Uh, yeah. it, it, it lasts longer before it starts to rust. Great. He works, he lives and works on a boat. Mm -hmm. And when he is back in the UK uh, to see his family, they're on the coast. So salt is a big problem. And therefore, if he had a regular steel bike, it would accelerate that process even more. And it, you know. Two things on that. I would probably hazard a guess then that Rob's normal steel bikes are quite expensive in the first place for the stainless to only be a couple of hundred quid more. Typically, it's like a thousand pounds more for stainless versus non-stainless. Right, okay. So like like both of my custom bikes, one of which was about is about 10 years old now, the other one is a couple of months old, mm -hmm. um, for a full steel frame set, painted, finished, ready to be built, is like under 2,000 pounds. Yep. Um, the, you are right that stainless definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, you are right that stainless definitely lasts longer than non-stainless steel. However, if the paint is good and you treat the inside and you look after your, your bike, it's still going to last a long time. Mm -hmm. Like my original steel bike, if you look inside it, it looks rust to fuck but it's solid, it's still perfect. Mm -hmm. And arguably, if one of the tubes is knackered, you can get it cut out and put a new one in. Cool. Shave legs. Overrated. Underrated. What? If you have hairy legs, your bib shorts and socks move around everywhere and you end up with super short shorts, if you wear Lycra shorts. Well, you, that doesn't make them underrated. Why? Well. Because there's benefits you didn't even realise and didn't consider. Well, no, I do know that. Yeah, exactly. Know, like, otherwise, you're going to be right now. Yeah. And your shorts end up like little hot pants. Well, they, well, they don't. You've seen them. They, they will rise a little bit more than if I didn't. If, if I did no, have Annoyance. Plus, and then if you are wearing leg warmers, they don't stay on properly. They do. Because they don't stick. They, they don't. They do. They don't. They do. They you're, don't. Not, you're not putting them on properly. I can show you. No, I'm putting them on right. You know. I know how to put on leg warmers. Um... Shaved legs is absolutely pointless. It's unnecessary. It's elitist. And it, it, it tells people that to look like a road cyclist, you have to shave your legs. And that is definitely something that... It's the only reason I ever shaved my legs. It does. The only reason I ever shaved my legs is because that's what you have to do to fit in, in, in like the road cycling mm -hmm. space. I would hope that now it's not quite like that because there's a lot more of accessible communities in road cycling whereas like when i started riding bikes it was like the club space this is what you if, do if you, if you turned you up at a crit yeah yeah that, 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 has, that really has changed yeah really i think has it has changed. i think it but has. i've been out of that for a long time yeah and enjoyed my time out of it and i was always riding with one or two people like i remember pete being in we were elite bike racers at the time. I was with Pete Hawkins. He's raced for Sigma Sports and he lives in Newcastle now. Mm -hmm. Top guy, been in my videos lots. And we were in Calp for, or Calp or Calpe for our uh, yearly training camp where we go and do two or three weeks in the sun in winter. And he'd always have hairy legs. It's I, just a fuck you to I love all those people. Yeah, I great. That's all he wants. He is, he is like no rules mantra to a team. He won't mind me saying this. The other day we were at the pub. No shoes. He just doesn't care. Admittedly he'd been to yoga just before, but no shoes. Bearing no. in mind as well, Doesn't give a fuck. Pete is probably the most elite cyclist we actually know because he's legitimately represented Ireland in the Commonwealth Games. Is in terms right? of uh yeah, Commonwealth Games, uh breakaway in the Tour of Britain. In terms of like people who I consider close friends, yeah. he's got the furthest in the sport. Yeah. For sure. And is a brilliant example of not being an elitist. I love yeah, yeah, yeah. he does exactly what he wants, which is great. So I would say, you know, my opinion is if shave me if you want to, don't shave me if you don't want to. But there are benefits, and the main benefit thing, the reason I continue to shave my legs is the leg warmers slipping down and shorts riding up. That's just annoying me. The, the only one that I will accept is my legs tan better when they're shaved. You do need vitamin D. 
You do. Especially you do. when you live in the northeast. You do. But all Take of, all you all, can get. All of the traditional reasons for shaving your legs are a load of bullshit to normal people. Overrated. Mm-hmm. Next one is titanium bikes. <laughs> um, it's, it's a very easy one for me. They are, without a doubt, the most overrated type of bike. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. They're just outrageously overrated. There's nothing special about them. I would pick a steel bike over a titanium bike every single day of the week. As far as I understand, a titanium bike has to be made in such an incredibly skilled way to be any different from an alloy bike. And an alloy bike is... A third of the price. Very cheap. Well, perhaps not anymore, but definitely historically. They have, admittedly, titanium bikes have got better because the practice... So in order to make a titanium frame and successfully weld the tubes together, you need a very clean environment. Most places that have historically built bikes, like Rob Quirk's workshop, is not it's a, clean a right, it's a workshop. Yeah. So people like Rob trying to make a titanium bike, um, I don't know if the results have been very good. Whereas uh, now, particularly in the Far East, they've really nailed the building of titanium bikes because there's lots being made, like the Jay Guillaume's that Nick sells at his shop, mm-hmm. and they, um, they're not falling apart. Whereas in the past, there were lots of titanium bikes that would just break all, all the welds. That was the known thing. And it was yeah. like, oh, like a titanium bike's come in the shop and it's got another broken thing. Yeah, I remember and that happening a yeah. lot. Whereas now I haven't seen it. So clearly, humans have got better at making them. However, is there a reason other than, oh, look, it buffs out and look at my nice titanium bike. No. I, I, I don't understand why so many people put titanium on a pedestal for bike frames. Mm. I, I, I honestly just don't understand it because the amount of comments we get where it's just like, oh yeah, what about titanium? What about titanium? Yeah. Like, of course, it's you know something to consider, but like, it's cool. It's different. But it isn't different anymore. Well, Everyone's anymore, got yeah. a titanium bike, especially in the northeast, because Nick sells everyone a JG. <laughs> Everyone's got a JG. Yeah. And they're all identical, yeah. even if it's a different model, it looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> and think... The new one, the, where the fork goes in the headset around the headset, it looks really good. It does if you if you notice it, but if you had like four Jagians, they'd all up, kind of look the same. They'd all look the same. Yeah. Well, actually, not even just yeah. Jagians. If you brought some other titanium bikes in, they would just look the same. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps that's one of the reasons that I'm I, I'm not into them. Is I, I do like unique stuff. I like stuff to have like a bit of so, something original about it or something unique about it, and mm-hmm. it just seems like titanium has become the the new like thing for everything for sure 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 it, they're, they're not bad yeah but they are overrated yeah yep. do you know anything about so a lot of people used to talk about titanium is more comfortable than all other materials it, it's it's uh, as far as i'm aware that is incorrect right it's a like that's what uh, i would expect uh, yeah yeah so yeah overrated because the properties of it are very similar to alloy so the the, the something to do with the the you know, you know what? Speculation. I'll go into it. Speculation. Speculation. <laughs> I've definitely looked at some stuff, which which the conclusion was. Some engineers looking at it. The conclusion was it should ride the same as an aluminium frame. I can give and you a people, fact. People you think it doesn't because they've spent loads of money on it. Do you want to know a fact? Yeah. Titanium overrated. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Who made this list? Lance Armstrong, overrated or underrated? Well, I just what's, found what's out. What's your case first? <laughs> what's your case? <laughs> Our podcast gets more views than this. Does it? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So, I rated, clearly. <laughs> At least in the podcast space. Oh, um, do, do people rate him still? Well, I don't know. I don't right, know. So, so let, me, let me give you this as, as a, a case. Yeah. He's a very, very famous professional cyclist, probably one of the most famous cyclists of all time. Mm. And he has won practically no races. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at his yeah, yeah. official oh, record, look at the official record. Right. there is zero wins. He's never won the Tour de France. He's never won the... Well, I don't actually know. He might have won the Giro, but he, he might have a couple of wins. He's, he's done well for himself, considering he's got no Palmares. He's, he's a fantastic marketer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a fact about Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Mm. The reason he's really rich again, because he invested in Uber at the right time. Early on. Early on. Early Uber investor. Yeah. Uh... Nah, I mean, did loads of really shitty stuff. Not a big fan, but it is still, whenever there's a new documentary, 
about Lance Armstrong, like, iPlayer came up with one a couple of years ago. I'm yeah. straight on. Like it's fascinating. And also his podcast is also fascinating. In, not when it's just about pro racing, but when they got onto other stuff, it is like, oh, there's something uh, they are just interesting to listen to, which is annoying considering they're on paper not very nice people. I think, um, I quite, I, to be honest, jokes aside, I quite like him. Uh, he's done loads of stuff. He, he's promoted cycling a lot. He was an amazing triathlete, actually, before he even got into road cycling. So when triathlon was like in its infancy, he was involved in it and like really competitive. The problem I have with him and all of the badness that he brought into cycling is it feels like it's only now that cycling is starting to be looked at as not just this like weird dope space. Like all of the stuff that came out. In, all of that in the damage has lasted so Exactly. Long. It's taken 20 so years to shed that for someone like Netflix to come along and make a documentary about the sport because they wouldn't even consider it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because it was just dirt. You know, the only thing yeah, they could yeah, have yeah. ever done is, or, or what people did do is they made stuff about drugs and all of the bad stuff that was happening, which was terrible for cycling as it oh, oh, Netflix did do a documentary. Yeah. That Brian, um, Brian Fogel? Ben Fogel. Ben no, who's someone Fogel? Brian Fogel. Icarus, the documentary where the guy starts yeah. off, tries to dope himself and see how far he can get in the sport, and then he ends up rumbling a massive, yeah. like, vape-sponsored uh, Russian dope. It's brilliant. <laughs> but that was the only documentary that, uh, like, Netflix kind of pushed, wasn't it? Yeah. And became big. Yep. My, uh, I'm going to say Lance Armstrong is overrated due to the fact he fucked the cycling industry for 20 to 25 years and this is the last time we will ever speak of him hopefully and the last one on the list is Campagnolo good pronunciation like that actually no I pronounced the G Campagnolo Camp Campagnolo Camp okay. <laughs> when I first met Nick yeah he was fanboy obsessed fanboy yeah, yeah to the point that he once gave me a like a, a book that was just like dedicated to Campag. And he was like, you need to read this and then you'll understand. Bearing in mind, I, I no, I, yeah, actually, yeah, when I met him, I did have a Campag group set. Mm -hmm. um, Campag are at the forefront of lots of things that have had an impact in the cycle. From Court or from Mech. They I think, invented the front Mech. I think there's loads of stuff yeah, yeah. They, they were the first of. Um, they've obviously not been there in recent years, but in terms of their their position in where we are now as cyclists, they like paved the way in in so many ways. Um, there are definitely people that are like fanatical about Campag, especially when the rest of the bike is Italian as well. There are a lot of people which say like, if it's an Italian bike, it has to have Campag. I say, fuck the rules, do what you want. Mm. Um, I do like Campag. I like how consistent they are and they haven't, like over the years that I've been cycling, they've only had a couple of wobbles in terms of things that could be bad about the products. Could be considered bad about the products. Yeah. You know, they've they've made most of the time good group sets at decent prices. And they've always offered a entry level option. I was trying to see if I could find a list of some of their like firsts, but there's so many products that they've like it's just the list is just massive yeah there it was the introduction of electric stuff recently where they haven't quite been on top of the game they haven't been able to compete with Shramma shimano and even the latest uh well not the latest the, the the eps that came out which was wired that the ends were too big and it was just a pain in the ass getting it through frames and it was just it didn't quite work as well as it should the new wireless haven't tried it, haven't seen it in person. I'm excited to see if they've rectified some of the issues. So I'm going to say Campag pre like 2008 underrated because mm -hmm. it is it is exceptional. Mm -hmm. Modern Campag excluding the most recent stuff unbelievably overrated. The new stuff TBC, I don't know. TBC, but it's so expensive, it's just a luxury yeah. thing. 
Yeah, but it might, it might trickle down. It might trickle down to like we lower group sets. But that does happen. It does. Well, yeah. I mean, SRAM, it did actually happen. Exactly. Shimano, exactly. it definitely is happening. They're a long way behind so, though, aren't they? Like SRAM are, SRAM, are, SRAM are trickled down so far now because they've been in the game. They're just ahead, yeah. I, I, well. I would love Campag to be back on the top again. Oh, that would be awesome. And more competition is good. More I competition do. is good. I do like it. So are you saying overrated or underrated? Indifferent. I can't decide. You have to. It's the rules. Underrated. Next up, listeners take over. And we have a question on YouTube from Donald. I currently have a cheap bike with Tourney with their SDI shifters. I priced out 105 R7000 for about $360. I was going to make that my next upgrade. Would you still recommend waiting until last to upgrade the group set? Which is in reference to something we put at the end of a video the other day where we said you should upgrade your group set last because it doesn't make that much difference. Mm -hmm. If you're in this situation where the group set you have is turny and you have those horrible turny levers... If, if they're the ones where, like, the, the downshift is the sun, the sunny bit, yeah. then they're horrible. They are horrible. The ergonomics are horrible. You can't access the gears properly if you are on the drop handlebars. I would upgrade that as soon as possible. Whether you need to jump to 105, $360 is a lot of money. I think the, I think the sentiment still stands, though. It probably is the last thing that should be upgraded, but it is something I would want to upgrade. Yeah. I would want to get rid of that quickly. I definitely would want to update that group set, but I would be looking at the other things first. For example, tires, saddle, bar shape, if it's got a horrible bar shape on it, mm -hmm. uh, potentially wheels, depending on what the wheels are, um, and then eventually get to do a group set one day. And your bar shape is going to feel terrible, no matter what shape it is with these shifters. They're really, they are really bad, but they're getting phased out. Good. So that's good. good. Question from Mel. Being a YouTuber slash video maker always seems so glamorous, but what's the best and worst things about your job? It can't be all as fun as it looks, right? I mean, we don't film the hours and hours and hours and hours of editing and sitting indoors having meetings. Planning. Uh, there's a lot of, like, logistics. Some intense discussion between me and you where we disagree about lots of things. Yeah, I, th I think probably the bits that most people underestimate, and I've, I've been on some traveling trips with you, and obviously you go on a lot without me. Mm -hmm. I don't like going on those trips and I'm not even editing a video. Just from me being there and editing photos, it's work, man. Like, mm. e even whilst the ride is happening, you're thinking about, or e whoever's there, the participants are thinking about have we got a good video out of this? Is it entertaining? What do we need to talk about so it's good? Like, even when you're going away on long trips, like, it's up in the morning, get out, ride, make sure you're filming enough stuff, get back, eat, edit, sleep, book a hotel for the next day, plan a route for the next day, go. Like, it's intense. Mm. We did uh, we did four days in a row in Spain, and I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm not <laughs> excluded, Excluding the fact I was unbelievably ill yeah yeah, yeah. if you even if you discount that i'm like it's not a lifestyle I, i'm i'm a fan of no no you have to be ready for it it is on the flip side you that you end up seeing some amazing stuff through a land at, at my only um my only way of doing all of those things at that point in my life was to do this yeah because i didn't have loads of money to spend on flying places and doing these things so that that makes it accessible uh the flip the you know the trade-off is shit tons of work I uh, see uh, from my experience of having taken lots of photos because I've done a lot more photos over the years uh, wh where you've been making YouTube videos I've been shooting photos for Atticus and the amount of times that you end up getting back to like editing I was gonna say the edit suite first it's a laptop. yeah it's a laptop with Lightroom on it and you I, I'm God, looking through these photos I'm like oh this is amazing because in the moment, I'm not even processing my surroundings and the things that I'm looking at. I'm literally like seeing life like through a camera. Oh, here's a weird thing. I honestly can't remember most of two bikes, one wheelchair cycling across America. I can believe that. It would, if I went back and watched stuff, it would trigger the memories. <laughs> but if I tried to think now what happened when, no, not a chance. There's so many things I've just forgotten, mm. plain forgotten which is bonkers. 
because like with the cognitive load, particularly for that trip, because it wasn't just like riding a bike every day either. It was a lot of thinking mm -hmm. and trying to stay safe and challenging routes and problem solving. It was just problem after problem after problem. You're constantly doing it. And that's what a bikepacking trip is. Yeah. But that was a whole new level. And then on top of that, it was 60, 60 videos in 60 days. There's a, the cognitive load is just too much to... There's a lot. To, something has to give. And obviously memories. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> but it raised 200 grand for charity. Worth it. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, it's fun though. I, and I also found, uh, without going too off topic here, we have changed drastically the type of videos we're making and the way we work now. Uh, well, now it's a we. It's not just a me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never been happier. Oh, so with work, is it good like, to look so at my much. face every day? Uh, no, it's not that. And then but. you go home and then edit, looking at my face again. <laughs> that is that is exactly why, Jimmy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't underestimate it. It's just a much more balanced, uh, balanced way to live. But uh, we wouldn't be here had I, had I not done all of that work. But we could talk about this more in depth in a, another future podcast, um, specifically about. Cave media and YouTube stuff. Right. One more question. I've lost where we are on the PDF. Yeah, I've highlighted it. Oh, yeah. Discuss. What? Oh, oh no. Oh, that's <laughs> there. There, go. One of the most frequent questions and requests we get lately is asking whether we'll make a video on tips for buying a secondhand bike. Pointless video. It's too much of a minefield. Well, it's not a pointless video. It's... Uh, what tips are you going to give people? It's, it's hard to do it correctly, I think. Uh, the challenges that we have, uh, full disclosure, is there's a sponsorship with Scott, which makes it hard for us just to go to market and start buying any bike, uh, which, which is a challenge for making that video. I mean, they're, they're pretty cool with it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, like, you know, that's one challenge... Uh, the other thing which we both struggle with is it's hard to tell someone which doesn't know what they're looking for to go and buy something which requires you to know what you're looking for. Yeah. You don't know what condition it's in. If you don't understand the mechanics of the bike and the maintenance of the bike, it's hard to say, look for these things if that doesn't mean anything. What's more, if you're buying something secondhand off someone you've never met, it could Which will be most situations. What you, could get written yeah, off. You, you, you physically cannot check all of these things in the short amount of time you're meeting someone to exchange a product. Mm. Like, it's just unrealistic. Unless you are extremely experienced with buying bikes and being around bikes and you work in a bike shop and you just know what you're looking for and it's a thing that you've wanted and you've found and there's only one of them. And as you're in that situation, you the options are Go to Cycle Exchange or a similar shop. That is the only option. Well, there are other ones, aren't there? Perhaps not for high-end bikes, but for, like, bikes. That's what I mean, or similar shops. Yeah, uh, there's lots of shops that yeah, sell yeah, second-hand. Yeah. You go to a place where a bike shop has given it once over and that's it. And probably has a warranty on it. Yeah, uh, Cycle Exchange x-ray stuff. But if you, if you compare it to, say, like, buying a car, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you either take a mechanic with you who does the once-over and goes, like, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Or you take a risk that you buy a bike, you go to a bike shop, and the, and the bike shop says, actually, you need to spend 300 quid on replacing this and replacing that. Or you just ride it and just wreck it more. Ultimately, it's quite hard for us to be able to recommend tips in that space because we don't want to recommend something which actually gets someone a crap product. Yeah, minefield. Total minefield. That is the end of the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or stories, please send it to wildonespodcast at cademedia.co.uk. And that is all for this episode. We would like you to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube as well. So please do that. And if you're listening on a podcast, follow. Follow? Can you do that? Review. Give us reviews. Reviews oh, are good. Reviews are good. Obviously, five-star ones. Mm -hmm. um, that helps. Thank you. And this week, we're going to leave you with a rendition of one of my favorite personal tracks that I recorded. Um, there's guest vocals on it from Emily Childs and Nick Harnett. And this track is entitled Pizza. Boom! 
Goodbye. Pizza. I wish the world was made of pizza. Living in a margarita. Cause it's my favorite kind of pizza. Oh yeah. It's dough time. I love pizza. One kind of pizza. There's only one pizza I love. No anchovies, dips, the pepperoni. I wish the world was made of pizza Living in a margarita Cause it's my favorite kind of pizza Oh yeah It's dough time When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.